We come to the end of our spiritual disciplines uh, series today. I want to start with a quotation uh, that Jennifer Woodward shared with me that says so much about what we've been talking about. Spiritual disciplines are not about getting him or God to love you, but about getting yourself to a place where you can hear him tell you that he loves you. You see, so often I, I think if, if I just read my Bible more and I, I prayed more, God would love me more. And if I, I started meditating, man, he'd think I was really special. And if I started fasting, my goodness, I would be mega pleasing to him. But the truth about spiritual disciplines is they're not a way of you trying to curry the favor of God where God finally says, oh, you're doing all the right things. Oh, I love you. No, they're the place where you put yourself so that God can whisper to you, I love you. And that's why they're so important, because that is, that is transformative. And, and if you're taking notes, write this sentence down. If you're not, just pay close attention to it. Spiritual disciplines are essential for spiritual growth. They're the way you encounter God, and they're the way God transforms you. And so this morning, I want to go at this at a little bit different angle our last time together on this. We've been talking about this studio. You've seen those beautiful pictures up there. Where we say, God is the potter and we are the clay. And that's a great metaphor for the idea of spiritual disciplines. I put myself in a place where God can mold me. But another great metaphor in Scripture for spiritual disciplines is athletics. Uh, I want you to hear this passage. One of the best passages on this I know of, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Paul warns Timothy, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tale, tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Let's stop there just for a second. Train yourself to be godly. Here's what Paul's saying. Timothy, I know if you don't give yourself to godly things, you're not going to remain empty and neutral. You're going to get involved with all this gossip and wives' tales. And guys, we're, if we don't give ourselves to spiritual things, the world is full of all kinds of gossip from Washington and Hollywood and everywhere else to fill our lives. You see, instead, he says, you need to train yourselves to be godly. The word train there is the word we get the word for gymnasium. You need to go to the gym and exercise so that you can become godly. Now, listen to what he says in verse 8. For physical training is of some value. He's saying if you work out regularly, God's willing to grant you that that's nice. It may make you live a little bit longer. It'll help you. But it's, it's just some value. You listen to this. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. When you begin to train yourself to be godly, it lasts forever. So I think this word train is a, a critical word because that's what spiritual disciplines are about, is you putting yourself in a position where God begins to train you to live a life like Jesus Christ. Now, this is so much better than you walking out of here today just simply trying to live like Jesus. So, so often we come to church on a Sunday, and you get convicted, and I get convicted, and we walk out those doors, and we go, this week I'm going to do better. I'm just going to grit it out, and I'm just going to try really hard, and maybe I'll be more like Jesus. The problem is that doesn't work. It doesn't work in any realm. Let's say you receive a phone call this week from the Atlanta Braves organization, and they say, you know, we need your help. Anybody in here a Braves fan? Any of those still left? 
Okay, I see a couple hands. How are the Braves doing this year? Not very good. I see the cutting motion, okay? They're not doing very well right now, and so they're calling you. They say, we studied your, your DNA and your body structure and your height, and you have all the makings of a great baseball player. And what we want to do, we believe you could be a great pitcher and a home run hitter all in the same game. We, we believe you have everything it takes because we've studied this. Okay, but they say, we're not going to bring you up until the All-Star break on July 17th. So you've got four months now. What are you going to do? Are you just going to just bathe in this idea that you could be an All-Star player? You, you're just going to show up that day, you know, at the stadium and just try real hard? I mean, just try to throw it right and try to hit it right. And you just, I mean, you know, you know I've got the body. I've got everything it needs. I'm just going to go and I'm going to grit it out as hard as I can. And I'm going to try hard and I'll be a great major league baseball player. No, you won't. Trying hard will not get you there, right? Hey, here's what you would want to do. These next four months, you would want to train yourself. You'd want to have someone, you'd probably hire somebody to be your trainer. And, and to teach you how to pitch and teach you the techniques and the steps that you would go over and over again daily in a rhythm so that hopefully by July you could be who they believe you can be. And guys, that's what spiritual disciplines is. God has called you on the phone this week and said, here's a crazy thing. I think you could be Jesus in your world. Well, what are you going to do? Just go out of here and grit it out and try harder? No. What you must do is you must give yourself to those disciplines that train you so that one day you can be who God believes that you can be. And so that's why we've been spending all this time. Look at this list of the spiritual disciplines we have studied to this point. These are so important. Even what you're doing right now, worship. It, like Jeremy Mitchell, it transforms you. Reflection on Scripture, maybe nothing more important. Meditation, prayer, fasting, silence, communion, service. And guys, there's so many more. In fact, we're, we're just sort of hitting the surface. I, I want to tell you that, that Jeff Arrington and I will begin an ABC group on Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, called More spiritual disciplines. And if you're interested in exploring more, one of the books I've been studying has 75 spiritual disciplines. And if you want to go deeper in this, well, then join us this Wednesday night. Because as you look over this list that we've already studied, which I think are the very basic spiritual disciplines, here's what I want to decide today. Whether this changes you in the way you live your life will be determined in the next 48 hours. It's not going to be brought up next Sunday, Okay. So whether this has a meaningful impact, if we believe that this is the way God transforms us, this is the way God trains us, you see, in the next 48 hours, either you're going to forget it, because even I would forget it if I didn't remind myself, okay? And this is going to be, well, buddy, thank you, that was a, a nice series on the spiritual disciplines. Or it's going to begin to impact your life. Now, let's sort of preview this a little bit and talk about this. You see, our problem, though, with this, we keep saying it. I hear it from everybody, this whole series. I, I'd like this, buddy. That sounds cool, but I'm way too what? Busy. I'm way too busy. And most of us are because we live in a world that says you need to do more and more and more. Listen to this quotation. The world is a siren call. The world is always calling for more, more, more. Listen. This is not sustainable. You can't keep adding more to your life and it work. 
And it is certainly highly destructive. You see, we live in a world where everything increases. I'm not even talking about bad things right now, but good things. Some of you are old enough to remember when there were three channels on your TV. And of all ungodly things, you had to get up from your seat and go have to change the channel. We were in much better shape back in those days, all right? I mean, just three channels. Now you've got hundreds to pick from. Uh, there used to be a day where we talked about people working 40-hour weeks. Hardly any American does that today. Most weeks, the average week is 48 hours. Most of us in here love college athletics and college football. I mean, just think about the more about that. I mean, years ago, you had 10 games max. And then if you went to a bowl game, you had 11th. Today, if you're going to win a national championship, it's going to go all the way up to 15, if not 16. And guys, our schedule, it used to be there was one game of the week on TV. Now I can watch college football all day long. I love that. But think about the demand for more and more and more. It's unsustainable. If you're in academics, we, we want to push our kids more and more, and there's more and more homework. If your kids are involved in youth sports, that's exploded in our culture. And again, we allow it to demand more and more. I was watching last Sunday. I'm not being critical here at all, but a lot of our kids, they're having to go back to those restrooms after church to get ready for practice. Listen to me. 15 years ago in Montgomery, Alabama, you would have never had practice on, on Sunday. And, and we're, we're just sort of okay with that. But what happens is the more we're pressed with our time, Satan has a great strategy. If he can't get you into some blatant, rebellious, destructive sin... What he will simply do is crowd the spiritual and God out of your life. I mean, just think about it. But in the midst of all this cultural change, especially years ago when most women didn't work outside the home, churches sustained themselves with people coming to church three times a week. It was just expected. You look at old landmark attendance back from the 80s, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night were almost identical. We, 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 we just all came to church three times a week. Today, most of us have cut it down to two times. Some of you, one time a week, this is about all you're going to interact with this church. And, and some of you, you can't even count on that because if it rains, <laughs> excuse me, you're, you're not going to be here. I'm so glad for a non-rainy day because look how packed it is today. Now, now, why do people, someone asked me, said, buddy, do you really believe that rain affects church attendance? And I said, absolutely, I know it does. We've seen it. We've proved it over the last two months, guys. Congratulations. We have proved this point. <laughs> now, listen, now, now, why does that happen? Because I don't have a, a, a rock-firm commitment to be here. Can you imagine, guys, do you let your kids skip school when it rains? Preach. Thank you, Jeremy. Preach. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, you think about, you know, a practice, you know, you know, when it comes to like kids coming on Wednesday night. Here's the question is, I'll come tonight if my friends are coming. Can you imagine your coach calls you for practice? Say, could you give me a list of who's going to show up for practice today? Because I'll come if my friends are there. Dude, you're booted off the team. And yet that's what's happened, guys. I'm not trying to be hypercritical here. I just want you to see what's happened. And some of you sitting here 20 years ago would have never thought about coming to church once a week. But that's been so crowded out of your life. 
So what do we do? Let me give you a couple answers from the world, then we'll get to some really good answers. First of all, the world's answer is, buddy, you just need to be more balanced. And, and let me just say, I've always used the word balance a lot, but I don't think it's a good word for this. Because when balance implies compartmentalize. I've got my spiritual part of my life. I've got my academic part. I've got my work part. I've got my exercise part. And they're all divided, and my goal is just to balance them out as if all of those parts are as important as the other. And they don't, you know, to talk about balance doesn't allow for people in difficult situations. You're not going to tell the street person, you know, your problem is you need more balance in your life. You're not going to tell the person with a terminal illness, the deal is you need more balance. Don't you dare tell the single mom in here struggling to raise three kids on her own, you need more balance. Balance is an upper middle class answer to life that most people don't have. Because it doesn't take into account what you might be with. Maybe you're raising a physically challenged or mentally challenged child. We don't answer balance. And balance doesn't imply the urgency by which we need to pursue God. Now, on the other hand, some of us have learned something just as destructive, and that's what I would call the unbalanced life. That maybe I even pursue God to the detriment of anything else in my life. I mean, I spend so t- much time alone being by myself that, that I neglect my family. Or I neglect the family of God because that's what seems natural to me. When I was growing up, preachers used to say this line, and we, we thought it was good. I want to say we applauded, but back in those days, we didn't dare applaud. <laughs> they would say, I'd rather flame out than rust out. That sounded really spiritual. I'd rather flame out than rust out. The truth is God doesn't want you to do either. He doesn't want you to flame out. He's got stuff for you to do. He certainly doesn't want you to rust out. So those answers don't work. Let me give you a couple of wise answers. This is what we're getting into today. I want you to really pay close attention. And, and these are two different ways of saying the same discipline, okay? Number one is, is called the rule of life. If you'll read books about spiritual disciplines, there'll be these chapters that you go, oh, I don't know if I want to read that one because I don't like rules, But it's not a bad thing. A rule of life literally comes from a Latin word that means a straight piece of wood. It's like we would say a ruler or a pattern of life. Let me give you a couple of definitions just to get your head around this. A rule of life is a pattern for spiritual disciplines that provides structure to grow in your walk with God. Or here's another definition. It's to order the events of everyday life in a way that allows for spiritual disciplines. So what it says is, I've got some rules in my life that order my day so that God is not crowded out. I love this. Creating rules eliminates decisions. I mean, if you go to the gym, okay? If every day before you work out, you have a question in your mind, do I feel like going, then you're probably not going to show up much. But if you've made it where you've got a a friend and y'all have a rule, you may not call it that, that you meet every day at that gym, more than likely you're going to be there. And and so that rule of life helps you achieve what you want to. You know, if, if, if church is every Sunday a decision you have to make whether you're going to show up or not, and you know if I'm talking to you or not, every Sunday, I mean, 
let me just tell you this. Satan is going to provide you lots of excuses not to show up. But if you have a rule of life, my friends, we just show up even when it rains. I love to say that. We are going to show up. Then you don't have to have that discussion. The rule eliminates the discussion. Now, are there exceptions? Absolutely. But the rule eliminates the decision. I've got a friend right now who has got a rule in his life that for this year, he's going to have 365 quiet times. You know what? He doesn't have to wake up every day and decide whether he's going to spend time with God or not. It's already been decided. So a rule of life eliminates decisions. So I love this idea of a rule of life. Now, whether you know it or not, you already have some rules of life. What do you do first thing in the morning? What do you do for breakfast? You know what I mean? How do you close your day out? We all have those. Now, another way of putting this, and this is really what I prefer, is something called the rhythm of life. The the, the truth is, my friends, we're going to be busy, okay? I'm, I'm tired of fighting that. That's just part of my life. I mean, there's some things I need to eliminate, but we're all going to be busy. The challenge then is can I build a rhythm in my life that makes space for God to work? A couple of definitions of this. It's a regular rhythm we choose for our life to focus more on the ways of God. I I like this one. It's an intentional pattern of spiritual disciplines. You see, you're going to have to have those. I mean, today, if you come here today and you've been listening to me and you're an introvert, I probably don't have to tell you to come up with a rule to spend time by yourself in silence. You just naturally do that. But you might need to go, you know what, once a month, I've got a rule that I'm going to go serve somebody, okay? If you're an extrovert, I probably don't have to say, you need to come to your, your small group or you need to be a part of the fellowship of the church. That's what gives you a high because you love being around people. But you might need a rule that says, I'm going to have a quiet time 365 days a year because that's not as natural. And so this rhythm that we begin to build in our life helps us to grow. Guys, we understand this in every area of life. Back to sports. If you're going to be good at a sport, yes, you have that time of competition, but in between that, you're going to have time of training, and you're going to have time to rest. I mean, you're not going to be good if all week long you bust your tail trying to get ready because you need to rest, and you need to train. And so you, you've got to have that rhythm. If you're coaching here, you understand what I'm talking about. There's got to be a rhythm between the games and the rest and the training. And even in the middle of the game. I mean, some of the two of the greatest players of all time did not stay in basketball games the whole time. Michael Jordan logged about 38 minutes a game on the court. He logged about 10 minutes a game off the court. Steph Curry today logs about 34 minutes on the court with 14 off. You think, I don't want Steph Curry all out of there, man. He's a great shooter. I don't want Seth Curry out. Keep him in there. No, no, no. A wise coach says he needs a rhythm to be the best he can. And, and God says to you today, God, what I'm asking you for is to establish a rhythm. Now, let me give you some examples. The first two are from Scripture, okay? Acts 2, verse 42. Here's an example of, I believe, a rhythm of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Four things, they say, these are priorities. These have got to happen. 
Now, they, you know, what, what, what would those be in our day? Uh, they devote themselves to, to the apostles' doctrine, Scripture, to the breaking of bread, communion. I mean, guys, we're going to have some people that are going to criticize us this Friday night because we're going to take communion on Good Friday. And they're like, you're only supposed to take communion on Sunday. Listen to me, guys. The early church probably took communion, at least at the beginning, every day. It was a spiritual discipline. So they devoted themselves to apostle teaching, to breaking of bread, to prayer, and to fellowship. Four things. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm in the Word. I want to make sure I'm around spiritual people. I want to make sure that I'm praying. And I want to make sure that I have great consistent time of communion. That's a great outline. If you took nothing from this message but said, I want to put those four things as permanent rhythms and disciplines in my life. Let me give you another passage. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, Paul says, whatever you do, work it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. What's he saying? Here's the rhythm of life that you need to do. Everything you do needs to include God. He's not a compartment over here that I want to balance with the other part of my life. No, this rhythm would say, how do you wake up with God? How do you start your day with God? How do you work with God at your side? How do you treat your family with God being right there with you? How would you close your day out with God? That's another great rhythm found in Scripture. Let me give you some other examples. Maybe these are, are more rules. But th- these are some things that many, many of you in here live by that you found very effective. Now, please understand, guys, what I'm doing this morning is I'm throwing lots of ideas at you. My challenge for you is to take this and make it work for you. Here's a couple more examples. I'm going to dedicate the first part of my day to time with God. I just, that, that's what it's going to happen. Every day, first thing I do is I'm going to be with God. Here's another one. I'm going to count my blessings and confess my sins before I go to sleep. That's one of the best disciplines I've practiced in my life. Because, because I, I tend to get in bed and my mind goes negative. I think of everything that didn't work. And so I confess where I blew it. And then I, I just sit there and I, or I lay there and I try to count my blessings. God, what are the good things that happened today? I tell you what, you'll sleep a whole lot better if you do those two things. How about this one? I think we mentioned this, Colossians 3, 23. Practice the presence of God. He's going with you everywhere. How about this one? Don't hold grudges. Forgive others. One of the most destructive things, if not the most destructive thing for you and I spiritually, is a lack of forgiveness. Bitterness will destroy you. That's hard. How about this old-fashioned rule? Some of you probably never heard this. I'm going to be at church whenever the doors are opened. Wouldn't that be radical? We're just going to make, we're not kids, we're not discussing this anymore. We're just going to be there because we know that's going to be good for us. So I want to challenge you to look at those. And, And here's the challenge, okay? We're coming to a landing, all right? We want to develop a rhythm for life. Now, the truth is you already have a rhythm. When you eat lunch, when you eat breakfast, what you eat, how you close your day out, what do you do with your Saturday, what do you do with Sunday, you, you, you've got some kind. Now, what we're talking about is building in a rhythm that includes these spiritual practices that allow God space in your life. Now, I want you to remember three things before I leave you with some questions to go home and think about. Your rhythm of life needs to be individual, Okay. My rhythm may not look like your rhythm. Don't let anybody go, okay, this is the way I do spiritual walk. you got to do it exactly the way. It may not work for you. God's got to lead you to the right rhythm. It needs to be reasonable. 
If you're a single mom with three kids, or you're a married couple with four kids and you're both working, your rhythm of life's going to look much different than mine. For the first time in my life, I have nobody living at home but my wife. I've got more time to do this kind of stuff than I've ever had. And so don't expect your rhythm to look like somebody. And then you talk about someone who's retired. One sister is telling me this morning, buddy, I've got time to do these kind of things all day long. That'll be a great time. But right now, you've got to remember what's reasonable. And it also needs to be changeable. What you're doing right now will probably change a few years from now. And you may try some of these disciplines that we've talked about, and they may not be as powerful with you as they are in my life or someone else's life, and vice versa. So you're going to have to keep looking for the disciplines that really work. So please remember that before we get into this. Now let me leave you with six questions. And if you hadn't taken notes, I, I hope you can see good enough to fill in these blanks because this is what you, you need to go home, you need to go to your life group and think about. Number one, how and when will I practice quiet time? Okay? And that's just the basic. Are you a morning person, an evening person? Is it better if you did it during lunchtime? How and when? Number two, what spiritual disciplines do I need to add? I cannot tell you how much it's changed my day to add meditation to my spiritual disciplines. For years and years, I've reflected on Scripture and prayed in that order. And now to reflect on Scripture, to spend some moments meditating on what the Scripture means, underlying what God's saying to me, changes, I begin to remember the Scripture, and it begins to affect and make my prayer life completely different. So which one do you need to add? Okay? Number number three, what time in my schedule can I practice silence? For most of us, this is really hard. So do what I've heard a lot of you do in the last few weeks is you just cut all music and everything off in the car while you're driving. And you spend the time going to school or the time going to work just in silence before God. Find that time you already could build silence in. We need to cut the TV off. Number four, how will I be involved in communal disciplines? Communal disciplines are the things we all do together. Uh, when am I going to commit myself to a small group? What am I going to do about reflection on the Word in, in Bible study? What a great time for me just to get here a few minutes earlier, and I'm, I'm in the Word. Number um, five, what practices suit my daily, weekly, and monthly rhythm? Here, here's what you got to understand. Every one of these disciplines is not meant to be practiced every day. You may make a goal that, that you're going to fast once a month. Or, or you may make a goal that you're going to serve somebody once a week. But, but you need to figure out what works daily, weekly, monthly, even, even yearly. And then here's a question I don't have, but needs to be added. What are you going to say no to? Because, guys, you've got to create this space. Again, maybe you're going to say no to being on your phone or playing the radio in the car. Maybe you're going to say no to watching the news three times a day so you can spend more time with God. Maybe you're going to say no to some of your kids' youth sports. Go, okay, guys, you can play one sport a year or two, whatever. You've got to figure something that you're going to say no to so you can get there. Because here's what we want to get to, guys. Here's what God's calling you spiritually to do. You don't have to necessarily stop busy, stop being busy, or stop everything in your life. What God wants you is to be able to say the words of that old song, I've got rhythm. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? That you have established a rhythm in your life that makes sure God has the first place in your life. 
Your life will be more meaningful. God will transform you. And you will hear him saying, I love you over and over again. It'll be a beautiful thing. Now, for some of us that are, you know, challenged about rhythm, everybody always makes fun of my clapping in church, all right? I saw some of you watch me a little while ago. It's really bad when he starts off with a new anointing and I got to clap right off the bat. For some of us that are, is it rhythmic, rhythm? How would you say that? Rhythmic? I'm speaking in tongues. Um, uh, For some of us, they're challenged with rhythm. This could be the answer to us walking closer to God. Again, take what we've studied the last seven weeks and go establish a rhythm that works in your life. Now, here's what you've got to understand. In the next 48 hours, you're going to make this decision. Either you're going to forget this and blow this off and it'll make no difference in your life, or you're going to be intentional about devoting yourself. So be praying about that. I want to challenge you with the Scriptures we close. Speaking of athletic endeavors and the intensity to win. You see, Paul was so intentional and so intense about seeking God. He puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 9. I want you to think about this. And after we read this scripture, we're going to sing this song of invitation. And if today, you know, you need, you need to, to get to this front row because you need some power to practice these things. You're, some of us, the truth is our life is out of control. We're completely out of any kind of rhythm. And there may be some of you that you need to begin your walk with Jesus. These are things that will bless you in your walk. But today's the day you want to be baptized. Meet me here on this front row. But let me read Paul's intensity. He says, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes run and race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. That's undisciplined. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to be caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. My friends, you don't need to do this because you have to. You need to do it because you get to, and you don't want to miss out on being with God now and forever. And so if you need to come forward, come right now while we stand together and sing.